0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Just a very quick disclaimer before we start this episode. This is a killer couple. There is going to be a lot of... (sighs) There's going to be a lot of mentioning sexual assault on children primarily. There's going to be a lot of talks of rape, murder, violence and slight mention of incest that a lot of people may find upsetting and or disturbing and if that is the case... Skip this episode. I'm not. We're not going to be offended by it. We completely understand. But if you're going to stick around, enjoy the episode. All right. Let's get this going. Let's give Matt a call. Start this podcast episode. YELLOW. Uh, you good? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah is, is everything fine? Yeah, I've got everything recorded. I'm just putting in my... my headphones, because I forgot to plug my headphones in. Come on, unravel your dickheads, because I don't have my Bluetooth on charged. No. There we go.
1: Right, get the energy drink ready.
0: Ooh, what energy drink, though? I'm
1: going to ask... However you say it.
0: Okay.
1: The cheap stuff.
0: Fair enough. I thought it was going to be like a can kind of Monster, and I'd have to ask you what flavour you're going for. Oh, no,
1: I don't splash it that often. If I do want an energy drink, it'd be more... it, it would be Monster. Occasionally, because of the price it is, but it's usually Rockstar. But my works don't have that, so I go with this stuff, which is just as good.
0: To be fair, I do like Rockstar. Rockstar's good.
1: Oh. Yeah, Rockstar have the better flavours.
0: That is true. They've got way more flavours. as Yeah, they're, they're way better. Whereas but the is
1: Mark... just cheap and it works, though.
0: Yeah, I get that. I get that. So so i've already recorded the disclaimer because i felt like the disclaimer had to be at the very start just because uh this one's a bit disgusting <laughs>
1: this... this one's a bit disgusting as if the other ones aren't disgusting everyone's disgusting
0: yeah but this one's like well this one's it's never going to be as bad as andre Chikatilo. oh it'll
1: never I, be I, honestly, oh sorry i said oh as if like oh i wanted more no 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 i didn't mean that <laughs>
0: But it's still grim.
1: Yeah, but... Okay, he set the bar.
0: He did set the bar. He set the bar a bit high. To be fair, I think I actually kind of know of one that we could cover another point, but like, he is pretty fucking bad to the point of... um, They couldn't find the bodies and they just kind of had to go based off the evidence that they had. And that was kind of like how they had to do it
1: okay because i guess that that's pretty bad if you can't find anything but i'm assuming in this case they found
0: the yeah bodies. this is a case that a lot of people get very angry at just based it's at... yes. a couple couple it's a killer couple yeah uh, don't they... get your other
1: partner involved
0: yeah yeah it's not good so they're called the ken and barbie killers
1: I mean, do they look anything or remotely like them?
0: It's because they were kind of, like, blonde and for the 90s attractive in a way, but, like, when you look at pictures of them, you're like, like, you're like, eh. Like, it's kind of, they're very, eh. Especially in hindsight of what they did, but, like, yeah. I think they're just because they were, like, blonde, slightly tanned, and fairly attractive in the 90s.
1: doesn't make sense. How could a blonde do something so complex as this? don't understand
0: probably dyed blonde probably we don't hate blondes blondes are not dumb
1: mmm no. I know yeah. a
0: few smart blondes yeah
1: yeah 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 shame shame the one on the call right now isn't
0: <laughs> we've also a natu-
1: natural before anyone asks
0: but we've also got the fact that these two are Canadian and you thought all Canadians were nice
1: yeah, I think that's just a stereotype. I mean, it is a stereotype that they're very nice people, but it's because I've not known of anyone from Canada to do anything bad. Well, wasn't Chris Benoit Canadian, yeah? Yeah. So, obviously, apart from him, we just, you explained to him, that's like, oh, and then these people. There's obviously a lot more horrible Canadian people out there. Just the majority stereotype is everyone's nice, but it seems people are breaking that stereotype pretty hard.
0: Yeah, these two definitely did. So, yeah, the, the Ken and Barbie killers, they're a killer couple named Carla, Leanne, Homolka, and Paul Bernardo. And in between the years 1990 and 1992, they pretty much kind of terrorized Ontario, Canada. And they targeted mostly teenage girls, which was mostly at the at the decision of Paul. And we're going to obviously go into the background of both Carla and Paul separately up until the time that they meet and their two year long killing and raping spree. So Mm. there's there's a lot of rapes, there's a lot of sexual assault, so I'm going to warn everyone again that this one's going to be very disgusting. And uh, uh, I've already said this in in the disclaimer, but I really need to emphasize on the fact that there is incest in this.
1: Oh, (laughs) Uh. wait.
0: They're not they oh. they they're not related, but like, it, there is a bit of like incest technically. Well, they
1: it's... they made other people do it.
0: Uh, yeah, well, one of the victims is Carla's sister.
1: Ah. Yeah. And ah, this is Canada. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. What, what, I don't know how much people in Canada do that sort of thing because it's a fucked up thing to do, but. Thanks for that warning. That doesn't—it—that stuff's really wrong. I don't encourage anyone to do that because it's wrong. But it doesn't—it doesn't hit me hard when I hear of people who've done that. It's just weird, and that's.
0: I feel like after oh. I researched Joseph Fritzl, that kind of stuff just is numb to me now. Hearing it, it's yeah, dis- it's disgusting, and you have the the why the fuck would you do that kind of factor in it. But when I hear that someone's done it, I'm kind of like, I've I've heard everything now. Like I've already heard it before
1: yeah i'm the same and i mean no hate to anyone who does get triggered by that but personally like the disclaimer stuff really doesn't trigger me it's just a story that's being told it although how disgusting it is it doesn't make me really like recluse or just be like oh my god no get out it's just
0: there's only been a few times when i've listened to a podcast episode and i've actually gone what the fuck in, like when someone's explained something it's always something that's fairly new that i've not heard someone do yet
1: yeah but people people need to stop like incest in gen is just like a you know it's one of those things where i find like throughout history there's had to be someone that's gone well hang on I'll do this, knowing it's not the norm thing and it's just stuff that people do. And it's like, because the world now is such perceived on how you should live. Obviously, at some point, people just say, well, this isn't normal, but I want to do it. And it's like, no, there's things that are normal for a reason. And not having sex with your family members and related to you, that's not normal.
0: Yeah, exactly. At least, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just fucking gross. Don't do it. It's illegal. Just don't fucking do it. I'm
1: just shouting that now because if anyone has the, the idea of doing that, do not. Trust me, it doesn't go well for people because your child will be born with problems.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Trust me, I've seen it. I've seen videos of families where they've had that and people have not been able to speak English. And they've been just making dog noises because they physically cannot speak. Yeah. So don't do it. We advise no promoting that heavily. Please don't.
0: Exactly. Oh. Just please don't do it. That is our. Uh, that was that. Uh, that is our daily, uh weekly True Crime Friday advice to you. Don't do this. Please. So we're gonna start with Carla because her childhood is a is a lot tamer to compare to Paul's. Paul's is okay. a whirlwind of chaos and shit. So Carla Leanne Homolka was born on the 4th of May 1970 in Ontario, Canada. She was the eldest of Carol uh, of Carol and Dorothy Homolka's three daughters. Her sisters were Lori and Tammy Homolka. So the family lived in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Her father was a Czech immigrant and worked as a travelling salesman. He often got drunk and fought with her mother, while Carla and her two younger sisters comforted each other during this. And one thing that we all need to acknowledge is I knew a lot for a lot of people, especially a lot of kids that were born in like the 1970s, a lot of their parents tend to have PTSD from the war and stuff like that and just stuff like that in general, so it's very common to have an alcoholic parent, especially in serial killers, it is pretty much one of the things that can create a lot of their issues. So, calm, so Carla was asthmatic and was in our hospital a lot as a child. Uh, during her childhood she enjoyed drawing and expressed a massive love for animals, which is obviously the opposite of a serial killer because normally they kill animals. So she took up a part-time job when she was in school at a pet shop. Uh, she was a very bright student and she was liked by most of her teachers. However, she was known to be bossy according to a lot of her old school friends and a, a lot of people that she knew at that time. But and also, although she claimed to love animals, she did once throw a friend's pet hamster out of a window, which obviously killed it. damn yeah don't don't be throwing hamsters out of windows
1: i just want to say i actually know st Catharines because i thought it's kind of that's huge i actually know about this place because there's some people who i know from oh that's it sorry alex is on fire
0: oh yeah
1: alex is on fire
0: how I've always, have you I've, say it, I've said it they're like from somebody. st
1: catherine's so oh. they're oh, they're from st Catharines. that's how i know it and i think matt eason from reliant k was born in st Catharines before he moved to ohio but i just thought i mention that because it's one of the places i know and considering what well, they would have been a, they would have been kids maybe or children but I thought I mentioned it, because out of any place in Canada, she had to be born for Catherine's, and I know, So you know.
0: Yeah. Damn. And from what we know, none of those people have thrown hamsters out of windows.
1: No, what? Oh, abuse to pets. Why anyone thinks that's, like, even a thing to do? It's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I've never understood it, like, at all.
1: She just threw them out the, w- the window and, like, obviously... She
0: launched out the window.
1: No, percussion... Do people not get percussion... Uh, like, precautions or, like, warnings or, like, they cannot have pets anymore sort of thing?
0: Uh, well, this is, like, a friend's hamster, so... I don't know.
1: Probably not. Oh. I just thought people could get issued warnings to be like, can't physically own any pets or something. Well, they should do if that's not being issued.
0: I mean, yeah, that is true. So she started reading Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew mysteries at the age of 12 and became obsessed with crime. Like that, that, that I hate when they're, they're obsessed with true crime because it's, or just crime in general because it gives us a bad reputation. So as she grew up, she became, harsh. she became very much harsher in her ways and enjoyed scaring her friends. She became interested in the occult and often caused spirits with her friends. Uh, During her high school days, she was known to be a non-conformist regarding fashion and gave the impression that she didn't really care what others thought of her, which, to be fair, good on her, because in high school, that is very difficult to do. Uh, She was bold and didn't really hesitate to mingle with various boys that she knew. Uh, She dated a boy called Doug and admitted to experimenting with various drugs and having sex with him. She often fantasised about weird situations relating to death and often once attempted to cut herself with a knife. same, bitch. Uh, it's not known if Carla had self-harm issues, though. She told a lot of people that, they had, that her and Doug had a lot of kinky sex and were very much into BDSM, but Doug would later say that he is the complete opposite and was very vanilla and none of this actually ever happened. She just kind of said it's a kind of fake brag, which is a very weird fake brag.
1: Yeah, anything about necrophilia? Because you said she likes death. No, uh, man.
0: There's nothing about necrophilia.
1: No, that, that's good. Just that you said death and kink, please don't go that far, but... No. Why would you brag about that? Uh, don't brag about anything like that.
0: The only time I've ever seen someone like brag about it is if like one of their other friends is kind of into it and they're trying to fit in.
1: I mean, maybe it's just me who's never done it before, but I wouldn't brag, you know. So many things you brag about just boost your ego and then you look like a dick just bragging about stuff. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I know it's
1: the 90s, but come on. Oh, wait.
0: So Would that be in the
1: 90s, or is this still the 80s? This
0: would have been in the 80s. Oh, sorry. So we're going to go into Paul, Paul's childhood next, because that's literally Carla's childhood. Like, she is barely just like, meh. Nah, there's not really much to it. But Paul Bernardo's got a bit of a backstory about him. So, Paul Kenneth Bernardo was born on the 27th of August, 1964 in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. Now, Scarborough in the UK is a shithole, just want to point out. Uh, I've there been. Is... What? I've been there. It's a shithole.
1: Well, it was years ago, and I can't really remember much, still. So I'll take your word for it.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a shithole. Uh, but I don't know what the I don't know what the one in Canada's like. Maybe it's a lot nicer. You know, you'd hope, but like you, it, it just has that name now.
1: <laughs> the name, the reputation. Yep.
0: Yep. It's like if it's like if uh, in America or in Canada if they got a city named Blackpool, you'd immediately just go, well, that's gonna be a shit I
1: mean, I went to Blackpool and I think it's nice, the Blackpool Tower. But I I get what you mean.
0: You spend the entire day there. at shit.
1: Considering the more known, well, the more known one for us is in the UK. And I would presume around the world. But yeah, I'd assume that the other version elsewhere in the world would hope to redeem
0: itself. So yeah, Paul's childhood wasn't the best and it was actually a bit traumatising. His father Kenneth sexually abused his daughter, which Paul would have witnessed on many occasions. He also fondled a girl that was and was charged with child molestation in 1975 so he's like 11 (laughs) which uh when he gets when he gets in a lot of shit for this he's about 11 years old when he gets in trouble for child molestation uh paul's mother was very depressed due to her husband's abuse and became very withdrawn from the family and actually just moved into the basement of their home in scarborough and kind of just stayed there In his book Lethal Marriage, Nick Pron describes a young Paul Bernardo as He was always happy, he was a young boy who smiled a lot and he was so cute with his dumped good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheek whenever they saw him. He was the perfect child they all wanted, polite, well-mannered, doing well in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform. Uh, beneath the charming looks, however, Paul had developed dark sexual fantasies which most likely came from his dad. He enjoyed humiliating women in public and beating every woman that he dated. When he was 16, his mother told him that he was conceived illegitimately during a affair that she had had, so the man he thought that was his father actually wasn't. Kenneth was aware of this, though, and... Despite everything else that Kenneth did, the one decent thing that he did do in his life was the fact that he stepped up and raised Paul regardless of him not being his son and being fully aware of it. But Paul then hated his mother after he was told this and began abusing her just like his father was doing at the time. Though so he, 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 he's a very nice person. I, I...
1: I don't... I just, parents abusing kids it's this it's it's probably like a cycle well, it is a cycle
0: because
1: yeah. um oh what there's a bloody how oh, the offspring song um way down the line from the i on the home but it has a line um oh, um hang on mm, where is it Oh, yeah, I'm going to try and quote it correctly. It says, uh, you know the story, it's about but true. Angry man gets drunk and beats his kids the same old way his drunken father did. Sort of thing. And I always remember that line because I'm like, oh, that relates to so much true crime stuff. It, how the father will abuse the kids and then the kids will either come out completely traumatized and just not have a life enough to be or they'll just repeat the process because that's what they were influenced by. You know what I mean? Yeah so seeing abuse i i always just assume that because that they just abuse others because they think that's normal that's what they're shown so and it's true there's so much stuff that your parents do you take from that yeah so the way you act will influence everything
0: well yeah exactly and he just goes on to get a lot worse uh he attended sir wilfred laura holiday institute in scarborough and then went to university went to the university of toronto in 1982 and he worked for a sales call he worked for you know sales kind of job after that and he said that apparently it deeply affected him he bought the books and he basically he basically managed to use so what i'm trying to say is that paul actually used his sales techniques as a way to eventually pick up women.
1: Oh.
0: Uh, So whenever he, when he he was working in these sales jobs, he basically came up with ways on how he can persuade women to come back with him because he became really good at his job. Uh, So now we're going to be going into... uh, his many rape cases now there's so many that they have to, to kind of be shortened into bullet points and he's not done any murders yet so he committed multiple sexual assaults which became very vicious uh, and this was in and around scarborough he attacked most of his victims after stalking them as they got off buses late at night Always a bus, I don't know why, but bus stops are very much like a thing where a lot of crimes happen Because I think most people are just waiting and vulnerable and not really paying attention to what's going on around them too much I don't really know why, but they definitely, that's the reason that they just always do So First one was on the 4th of May 1987 This was, a, this was the rape of a 21 year old woman in front of her parents house after he followed her home Next one's on the 14th of May, 1987. The rape of a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of a parent's house. 17th of July, 1987 was the attempted rape of a 15-year-old girl. He broke into her house and entered her bedroom. He jumped on her back, put his hand around her mouth, threatened her with a knife, bruised the side of her face and bit her ear. He fled when the victim's mother entered the room and screamed. A 19-year-old named Anthony... Hayne Mayer was convicted of the sexual assault in 1989 and served a 16-month prison sentence, but was extra was exonerated after Paul admitted to the crime in 2006. Wow! It was- wrong
1: yeah. imprisonment. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, Six- grinds
1: it- my gears that
0: it always happens.
1: Sorry, I think it grinds my gears that like I mean, it's a short amount of time. You may think, but in reality, that's really, really long.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, the next one is on the 16th of December, 1987, the rape of a 15-year-old girl. The next day, Metropolitan Toronto Police in- issued a warning to women in the area traveling alone, traveling alone at night, especially those riding buses. 23rd December 1987, the rape of a 17-year-old girl with a knife he used to threaten his victims. At this point, he began to be known as the Scarborough Rapist. 18th April 1988, he attacks a 17-year-old girl. 25th May 1988, he was nearly caught by a uniformed Metro Toronto investigator staking out a bus station. Although the investigator noticed him hiding hiding behind a tree and ran after him, Paul got away. So, on the 30th of May 1988, the rape of an 18-year-old woman about 25 miles south of Scarborough. 14th of October 1988, attempted rape his victim fought him off. He inflicted two stab wounds to her thigh and bum, which required 12 stitches. 16th of November 1988, rape of an 18-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. 17th of November 1988, Metro Police formed a task force to capture the rapist. 27th, 27th of December 1988 was another attempted rape with a neighbour chasing him off. 20th of June 1989 attempted rape, the woman fought him off, her screams alerted the neighbours and he ran away with scratches on his face. 15th of August 1988 was the rape of a 22 year old woman. 21st November 1989, rape of a 15 year old girl he saw in a bush shelter. 22nd of December 1989, rape of a 19 year old woman. 26th of May 1990, the rape of a 19-year-old woman, his victim's recollection of her attacker enabled the police to create a computer composite portrait which was released two days later by police and published in Toronto and other area newspapers. July July 1990, two months after the police received tips that Paul resembled the rapist and he was interviewed by two police detectives. So, from around May to September 1990, police submitted more than 130 suspect samples for DNA testing. Police received two tips that the person they were seeking was Paul Bernardo. Uh, the first in June had been filed by a bank employee. The second was from Tina Smurrins, the wife of one of the three Smurrins brothers who were some of Paul's closest friends. They told detectives that Paul had been called in on one previous rape investigation once in December 1987, but he had never been interviewed, really. He constantly talked about his sex life to his friends and said that he liked rough sex, so they just were like, oh, you're clearly dodgy. Which doesn't mean... Oh. not People who like rough sex are not dodgy, by the way.
1: I mean, I don't really... <sighs> The term rough sex, to me, is a bit blurry, but yeah. I, I think I understand, but people could interpret it as, like, too r- rough or, like, really, really rough, but, you know, yeah. it's an indication to the fact if someone said to me, they like this, I would have some caution as to how far they're taking it, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. So, they, the police interviewed Paul on the 20th of November 1990 for about 35 minutes. He voluntarily provided samples for forensic testing as well, which was very weird. When the detectives asked him why he thought he was being investigated for the rapes, he admitted that he looked like the composite sketch, and they just let him go. What? Yeah, they just let him go. How, what? ha what Yeah, so they sent his like DNA off for testing, but it would take two years for the results to come back.
1: And know would take two years, but man, if he looks like the person from this composite thing and they're thinking we'll let him go
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Ha, oh, what I mean like already false imprisoning someone. And then, you know, even if it wasn't him, they've already fallen in prison before, so they wouldn't give a care again, would they? But there is him, so. I know.
0: It's, it, it gets worse.
1: And just the list you kept that kept going on, just.
0: Yeah, I know. It...
1: Guys, I don't have much experience in any of the whole having sex thing, but please, please, consent somebody doesn't want to do something, don't force them or don't put them in a situation that makes them feel uncomfortable. Please no. do not.
0: And also I want to point out to anyone out there, uh, if you have to constantly nag someone to have sex with them, even though they keep saying no and they just eventually give in, that's not consent, dude. That's still a no. That was a no from the start. You, they, you just pressured it. That's still rape. I-
1: I'm just saying this because, not naming names, but I did see a post today about someone who bravely came out about this ex they used to have. And they were basically said, this person's on dating apps now, watch people and they explained their story about how this person abused them, you know, threatened them, this sort of thing, and came out about it now. So if anyone is suffering from this sort of stuff, don't be scared, speak up, but please just grinds my gears and makes me so infuriated when people force other people to do stuff. Yeah. There's situations where if I'm with my mates and it might be okay, it's like, oh, go on, do that. Or like, you know, I dare you jump over that fence or something. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, go on. You understand that, right? That's yeah. just telling my mates to jump over a fence. There's nothing harmful in that. I'm just, oh, I dare you go over there. I'll give you a pound if you do it, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to do it. That's fine. You can tell that's joking with lads, but like, in a situation like this, or like with your significant other or someone, you're forcing yourselves on them or something. It's just a no. I just want to clarify that because I've been riled today by the, 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 the you know, the person coming out and the, saying what this other person had done to them really got to me, and I just felt it inside. That this, this person, these people, do it and then they walk away and they still live a life and try and go on as if like they've already got a stigma, but they just don't care. And they just continue on. It's like, no, you're a bad person. And you're not even realising that. But even if you are, you're still taking on that idea of I'm a bad person. Don't give that fuck. I'll just continue on and still do it. No. Sorry. Rant over. It's just disgusted me this guy's done so many of these rapes.
0: Yeah. And he's kept
1: going with it. And the age range is ridiculous. And then the police let this man go.
0: Oh. Uh yeah uh, it gets progressively worse so in October 1987 Paul and Carla meet in a bar of a local hotel which is just sad enough to say that the fact that you met in a bar in a hotel is just weird but they, it. Uh, I think it's weird if you're not if uh, one of them isn't staying in the hotel and they're just in the bar hotel bar it's a bit weird like go to a regular bar you don't need to go to a hotel
1: bar. Oh, I, I guess I can understand that. I mean, you're staying in the but...
0: hotel. That that's fine. But like, if you've not got a hotel room there, yeah,
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't regularly go to bars at all. But like, if you are going somewhere, it's the, you know, why go in like a, a hotel bar? You know, it's not a place you go. The, the The bar's there to facilitate the people at the hotel. But you can find love in all sorts of places. But yeah. hotel bar is a bit weird if you're not staying there. Uh, yeah
0: I'll give you that, yeah, yeah, so they claim it that they both claim that it was love at first sight, but realistically it was lust at first sight because after two hours of meeting each other, they had both gone up to Paul's hotel room to have sex. Uh, now, Carla was seventeen years old at the time and he was twenty three, which is a bit... Eh-eh. I know not, I know a lot of people in the u k you're gonna pro this is Canada, but and I'm going to tell you what the age of consent was, which is weird as fuck to me. But um, I know a lot of people in the UK will be like, "But if that was in the UK, that'd be fine." It's like, right? I, I'm going to put my opinion on this. If you are a guy in your in if you are a guy that's 23 and you're wanting to have any, you're and you're sexually attracted to someone that's 17, you're weird. You're a bit weird.
1: What about the other way around? Same thing. A young male attracted to someone.
0: Uh, yeah, like, like, it's obvious that, like, okay, so if you're, like, 17 and you're attracted to a 23-year-old, like, that, that, that happens, but the 23-year-old should be the one in that position to be like, mate, I'm too old for you. No.
1: Yeah, I just think it's...
0: Like, you're the adult here.
1: It's already perceived bad, obviously, that males date young girls, but even the other way around, sometimes, a male liking someone really older. Can
0: be, yeah, it's still
1: dodgy. It's, it's, it's still dodgy. Don't don't anyone demean it like, oh, it's just a young lad and an older girl. It's not wrong. No, it's wrong both ways. It can be. So don't just think it's.
0: Yeah, so like, so yeah, she was seventeen and he was twenty-three. Um, the and he proposed to her that year on the twenty-fourth of December. Now the age. Uh, the age of consent in Ontario now is eighteen, but at the time the age of consent was fourteen. Really? Yeah. Wow. It, I think like the age of consent around that time was actually a lot lower. I think this will explain a lot of the reasons why a bunch of the bloody rock stars in the seventies and eighties were doing half the shit they were doing.
1: Oh, I can't remember a name, but there's that infamous person that slept with all the rock stars and she was very young and she just did it for like a I can't remember her name but if anyone knows you'll know it I mentioned it she had things with all the rock stars but I think maybe back then they just had it that low because at that age they thought people would be more independent that sort of thing but now that's ridiculous at that age you are not as Smart as you think you are, or as mature as you are at 14, you know what I mean?
0: No, 100%.
1: You know, kids might think they are now in the UK, like, oh, I'm 14, yeah, I know everything. Trust me, no, 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 you're gonna be in
0: your 20s and you're gonna be in your 30s and you're gonna regret that shit so bad.
1: Yeah, so 14, that's nuts.
0: Like, obviously, now it's changed. I regret losing mine at 17, like, I regret that and i'm like i'm 23 now i regret that but yeah yeah i feel like i should have waited a bit longer i think it was a lot of like all of my friends had so i felt like i had to kind of thing i was like
1: yeah i'm gonna I'm be real like i i feel like sometimes i've been like you know i've never you know oh do I say this in the podcast oh no go on you need to be open at sometimes you know being at this age and like never kiss the girl on the lips
0: yeah
1: sometimes I've been like to people like oh I've never kissed a girl on the lips that's so lame and some, some people have been to me like well I wish I was in your position and sometimes I think well yeah that's true I haven't been the most you know relationship deep person but sometimes that's a benefit for some things if you're not as d- dived into something at a certain age because then, you know, some people now have obviously said, like, I regret doing this at this age, so lucky you for not doing all this stuff that I have.
0: Yeah. So, like, I guess it works. So, what was even weirder is the fact that Carla's parents and family loved Paul. They thought that he was a very good-looking guy and they also think that Carla and Paul looked like the perfect couple. They loved how he took care of Carla and treated her like a princess and all this kind of stuff. So, Which, to be fair, like, they, they're not going to know in that moment what's going to happen. No. So, um, we're going to go into the first victim now, which is Tammy Hamulka. So, in 1990, Paul was spending large amounts of time with Carla's family... He was engaged to Carla and very quickly developed an obsession with her younger sister, 15-year-old Tammy Homolka. He hadn't told them that he'd lost his job as an accountant that he had at the time, and instead he was smuggling cigarettes across the nearby US-Canadian border to make money. He had become obsessed with Tammy. He was constantly peeping into her window to try and catch her getting undressed. And he'd go into a room to masturbate while she slept.
1: Oh no, no. No.
0: Yeah. Did she not see him peeping in? Uh no. I think he was I think I think he's had experience in trying on not getting caught at this
1: point. Oh, that's that's well weird, right? Think yeah. just think of that though. Like imagine right now I'm just maybe could be to say, but like right now. I I don't know someone could be out behind the window behind me looking and watching me right now but I don't know
0: if someone's doing and that and I feel to me, for her someone, that those times
1: where he was just sleeping
0: like if someone's doing that to me right now then they are skilled as fuck because it would be very difficult to do that mine
1: but it's so weird yeah. you know that she's had no idea but it's so just even looking in and watching someone's very weird it's I know it's just such a tame thing but it's still weird to just watch someone through the window
0: it is it is so weird like so carla knew all about this as well and she was fine with it
1: what what
0: yeah yeah she was fine with it she actually agreed to help paul get whatever he wanted and at this point in time he had already told her that he was a scarborough rapist and she said that she found this fact about him cool cool yeah, she kind of... Nothing about camera. that's cool. Yeah, no.
1: That, so, I don't understand. Like, sh- surely when people make a relationship, you'd see things and go, yeah, you did that. I didn't like that. No, 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 no.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, you think that. She was actually fully up to helping him with his obsession that he had with her sister. Uh, Carla helped him by breaking the blinds in her sister's window to allow him to have better access at watching her, uh, which is really fucked up. In July, uh, Paul took Tammy across the border to get beer for a party and while they were there, Paul later told Carla that they got drunk and began making out. So he got her very, very drunk and this is why that happened. Uh, according to his testimony at his trial on the 14th of July 1990, it's my brother's birthday uh, Carla laced spaghetti sauce with crushed Valium that she had stolen from her from the animal clinic that she worked at. She served dinner to her sister who soon lost consciousness Uh, Paul began to rape Tammy while Carla watched
1: Wait, she watched? What?
0: She watched uh, over the summer, uh, Paul suppl- supplied Tammy and her friends with gifts, food, and sodas that had a film and a few white flecks on the top of the cans, according to her friends. Uh, six months before, six months before before their 1991 wedding, on the anniversary of them getting engaged, Carla Hamolka stole a load of medication, of which was called uh, Halothane from the clinic on the 23rd December 1990 Carla and Paul administered sleeping pills to Tammy in a rum and eggnog cocktail which sounds disgusting after Tammy was unconscious Carla and Paul undressed her and Carla applied a uh, Halothane uh, soaked cloth to her sister's nose and mouth this resulted in her having massive acid burns to her face, which they would later claim was carpet burns. Uh, Carla wanted to give Tammy's virginity to Paul for Christmas, as according to Carla, Paul was apparently disappointed that Carla was not. But well, that he was not Carla's first. So he wanted Tammy's virginity. And she was like, yeah, okay. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just dissect what i've just heard right okay (laughs) sorry one was that burns to the face right
0: yeah because of the acid
1: and said it's carpet burn
0: yeah which they would actually like which which, to be fair like police and medical professionals would go would look at tammy and go yeah okay yeah we'll say that's carpet burns and just left it at that
1: Right, you've had a carpet burn before, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, everyone else.
1: If I had a carpet burn on my face, I would have had to have face-planted a carpet and, like, physically, my face would have had to have gone along the carpet, right?
0: Yeah.
1: To get the burn on my face. Uh Uh-huh. So how have they looked at that and gone, yeah, that's a carpet burn, and not thought, how did you do that? carpet burn on my bum yeah i've slipped down and i've grazed along my stairs but the face
0: yeah how yeah uh there was like a whole thing basically they did it as like a way so basically uh they said that they were like moving her to a to like help the it's it's part of like how the how the whole thing carries on so basically um Everyone that was in the house that night were upstairs asleep. So Carla's parents were upstairs asleep and so were was her other sister. And those three just stayed up drinking this eggnog rum cocktail. And Carla and Paul videotaped themselves raping Tammy. And yes, uh, the videotape showed Paul raping Tammy, but also showed... Paul and Carla swapping places, and Carla raping her own sister.
1: I'm assuming with a dildo.
0: I have no idea. Possibly, I, 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 I've not seen the tape. I don't want to.
1: I mean, I wouldn't want you to watch the tape, but come on. Oh, ah, oh, I'm saying what and everything all the time. And my mind just can't take it. Why? Why you'd let? What? Yeah. I do not Like. Uh, like, here's here's the sort of level, right? My, like, best mates, you know, even when they threw me a surprise party once, I think it was on my 18th and whatnot, and they said, oh, we wanted to let your parents know, so one, I think, they are, had to just message them on social media to speak about this. And even then, I was like, whoa, excuse me? Like, yeah, we just had to. And I'm like, okay. But inside of me, I'm thinking... Ah, no, just even a simple text to my parents is enough to be like, no, 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 no. But the fact that this person's willingly going to the husband, going, You want to do this to my sister? Okay. all so, levels of just. Wow, what?
0: Uh, yeah, so obviously, Tammy began to throw up. Uh, and they. Tr- so she was like, obviously, clearly, it must have been laying her back because. They, she ended up choking on her own vomit. Uh, they, oh no! They tried to revive her because I don't think so. They, they didn't, they didn't intend on killing her. Uh, so they called nine one one, but they, but they, obviously they couldn't revive her. Uh, so they, while they while they were calling nine, before they called nine one one, they had to hide the evidence. So they dressed Tammy back up. They moved her into the basement bedroom, which is how they say that they kind of, when they were moving her, that's why that's what they say um, the burns came from. So a few hours later, Tammy was pronounced dead at the at St Catherine's General Hospital without having regained consciousness at all. So despite the Carlo and Paul's very weird behaviour. They were like so like their behavior was like they were vacuuming and washing laundry in the middle of the night, and despite the chemical burn on Tammy's face, the Niagara Regional Coroner and the Hamolka family accepted the pairs but accepted Paul and Carla's like version of events. The official cause of Tammy's death was accidental choking on her own vomit after consumption of alcohol. Afterwards, to show that Carla would never was never really sorry for what she did and that she was a willing participant in all of this, there are videotapes of her wearing Tammy's clothing and pretending to be her to seduce Paul after she had killed her sister. There is also a video of them in their basement playing with each other whilst talking in a sexual kind of tone about how Carla loved doing what she did to Tammy. So she was not sorry at all.
1: Oh my God! Is everyone brain dead? Took took their version of what happens. Fine, but what, what did you say? Vacuuming yeah, in the doing, middle of the night?
0: Yeah, I'm doing laundry.
1: Who the hell? Who who vacuums in the middle of the night? The fuck! Someone, Come on! Someone
0: who's just murdered someone. That's it.
1: No, bugger. Like I'm not being funny. I don't like to say anyone stupid, but if I if someone said to me, "What are you doing last night?" Ah, and then I said to them, "Oh, yeah, I was vacuuming in the middle of the night." They'd be like, "Why are you doing it in the middle of the night?" Yeah, like,
0: exactly. Like, it's, it's
1: basic stuff. There's no set rules on when you should do stuff, but like, middle of the night, you automatically think everyone's asleep. So why you vacuuming? But these videos, I assume, you could find on the internet, I but really I wouldn't hope not. advise to look in at that. They're probably kept away. And whoever had to view this evidence in the court trials, I feel sorry if you happen to see any of that.
0: Yeah, I feel really... I'd hate that job. Horrible. The next victim is a girl called Leslie Mahaffey. So in the early morning of the 15th of June 1991, Paul took a detour through Burlington, which is halfway between Toronto and St. Catharines, to steal license plates. He found Leslie, who was 14 years old at the time. So, like I said earlier, there's a, all these victims are very young, so you need to be aware of this. So, Leslie had missed her curfew after she attended a funeral of one of her friends. So, because... She, now, this is... I know, for the love of God, her parents are regretting every step they just took and every decision that they fucking went to to get to this. But, um... So she, because she missed her curfew, this wasn't the first time she'd missed a curfew, so her parents decided to lock her out of the house as a way to teach her a lesson. So she went to her friend's houses to see if she could stay there, and they all said no, so I bet they're fucking biting their ass about this now. Uh, Paul approached her and told her that he was looking to break into her neighbor's house. Now, she didn't really give a shit, and she just asked him for six. She was like, all right, yeah, you got any six. And he was like, okay, yeah, you come to my car. Um, My my cigarettes are in there, so I can give you them there. And when they got to the car, he blindfolded her, forced her into the car, and drove her to Port Dalhousie, where he informed Carla that they had a new playmate. And that is the word he used to describe her. Uh, Again, they both videotaped themselves sexually abusing her, all while listening to Bob Marley and David Bowie. Now... He would have good music taste if this was the case but I call bullshit and the reason why I call bullshit is naturally like most serial killers Paul Bernardo is a bit of a cringy fucker and Paul was also a wannabe rapper so there are people who believe that he was getting her to listen to his mixtape.
1: Oh no. Which wouldn't be
0: a shock because apparently he constantly played his own mixtapes out loud all the time.
1: You know, as a musician, this is absolutely hilarious. Just just cause it's such a meme now for any musician to go, yo, here's this song, go listen to it. I made this. What do you think? Or, here's my mixtape. Yo, it's fire. Yo, it's so good. Like, here's this new song that my band made. Like, we're gonna blow up because this song sounds so good, like my vocals on this track are, are amazing and like the guitar work, I did it in like one take, so that's like so cool, you know? But if you don't like it, it's fine because we just build up on our haters, you know? It uh, We're better than you anyway, we're going to be like the next big span like ACDC was, but we're going to be bigger, you know what I mean? Sorry, I've gone on a whole meme thing, but that's what it's like. Yeah, yeah. People are just like that, so I can imagine him being something like that in the car. Like 100%. oh this is good, and then the person has to be like or the girl, so I would be like, yeah, it's it, it's okay, I I I like it, it's, it's no no give me your best opinion on it, no go go harsh on it man, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's
0: uh. that definitely what it was like. So the next bit's a bit graphic, so skip thirty seconds ahead if you if you, just a bit of warning. So on the tape, Paul said and quote you're doing a good job Leslie a damn good job the next two hours are going to determine what I do to you right now you're scoring perfect on another segment of the tape that was played at his trial the assault escalated and Mahaffey cried out in pain and begged for him to stop the prosecutors described the scene and he was apparently sodomizing her while her hands were bound with twine so uh, Leslie told Paul that her blindfold seemed to be slipping, which signaled the possibility that she could identify them both if she was freed. The following day, Paul claimed that Carla fed her a lethal dose of Uh, Halkion. uh She claimed that Paul was the one who strangled her. They then put her body in their basement, and the day after, the Homolka family had dinner at their house while Leslie was in the basement. After the family had left, they both decided that the best way to dispose of the evidence would be to dismember her and encase each part of her remains in cement. Paul bought a dozen bags of cement at the hardware store the following day, and he kept all the receipts, which is obviously going to be very damaging at his trial, because he's a fucking idiot. Uh, He used his grandfather's circular saw to dismember her, and paul and carla made a number of trips to dump the cement blocks in lake gibson which was 18 kilometers south kilometers south of port dalhousie at the at least one of the blocks weighed 90 kilograms and was beyond their ability to sink it lay near the shore where it was found by michael duchette and his son michael jr while they were on a fishing trip on the 29th of june 1991. Yeah, they are pieces of shit. <laughs> also, um sorry but I was like in my head I would hate to have the name do shit. I don't buy anyone else, but that would be that no. i w I wouldn't want the name do shit. Hello? What does Da 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 So, uh, uh, obviously this entire podcast is unedited, but um, just in case Matt can't hear me, he's just dropped off the call by, uh, I don't know what happened, but um, his, he's just dropped on his side of the call. Um, and I don't know why. Oh, wait, oh, wait, he's back.
1: Yeah, sorry, what happened there?
0: Yeah, you kind of just dropped.
1: <laughs> oh, I do apologise for that. Is it gonna that. He- you can hear the Discord noise.
0: i couldn't hear the discord noise he just kind of dropped and i just had to check on discord i was like oh he's not there oh wow so i'm just gonna talk bullshit for the next life you need
1: to reiterate what you said because all i said was if they didn't pick it up was just his way of words is very very creepy the whole scoring points thing i know perfect just those are not stuff no one says to anyone you know what i mean
0: yeah like no one says that
1: but what did you say after that? Sorry, I've disconnected guys.
0: Oh
1: no, who had Discord was like opening and closing, so
0: uh I just said that I'd hate to have the name douche yet.
1: It's already got douche in it.
0: I know so, I know, but like you know in the UK you walk around with the name douche yet, someone's gonna you're not you're not gonna live that down. Oh no. Like you're you're like imagine imagine having the name dude. imagine if someone like in Call of Duty lobbies, found out your name was douche. You'd be fucked.
1: Uh, trust me, I have a last name that people made fun of. I know what it's like. As soon as people get to an age where they can think about ways of insulting others, if you have a name like that, you are straight. And people don't just like make the joke. No, haha, that's funny forget about it oh no this stuff continues on for a long time i still get it now
0: yeah it's not fun so yes so i gonna... hate that too yeah so we're going to be going into the final victim i'm fairly sure so this this is the final known victim there are other additional crimes that might be linked to them uh, which we'll go into, but the final no victim is Christian French. So during the after school hours of the 16th of April 1992, Paul and Carla drove through St Catherine's, and they were potentially looking. And they were on. P- they were potentially, but they were definitely looking for victims, and they were doing this on purpose. So they were getting to the point where they didn't care anymore, and they were like, "No, we're av- we're actively doing this now." So. Although uh, schools were still, was, although the, the schools were finished and everything at this point in time, uh, and everyone was on the making their way home, the streets were quite empty. Uh, as they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, a Catholic high school, which was the Catholic high school in the city's north end, they spotted 15-year-old Christian French walking by to go home. They pulled into a parking lot nearby Grace, uh, Churchland. Hamolka uh, got out of the car with a map in her hand and pretended that she needed help because that is just the method that they all fucking do when it's in killer couples. They pulled into a parking, so they so, sorry, they were, they're in this parking lot and Christian's like looking at the map with Carla and when she's doing this, Paul attacks her from behind and took out a knife, forced her to get into the front seat of the car uh, from the back seat, Carla uh, subdued her by pulling a hair. Now, this isn't this is like possibly if we're going talking about the end of the school day, we're talking about probably half three in the afternoon. Uh, Christian took the same route home every single day, which normally used to take about fifteen minutes for it to get home from school, and then she'd go out and like take care of the dog, give it a walk, and stuff like that. So, when it reached the point where she wasn't home after about 15 minutes, her parents knew something was wrong because this wasn't like her at all and they went to the police like straight away. Like, they were not messing around. Uh, Within 24 hours, the Niagara Regional Police Service assembled a team and started searching searching for Kristen by going down her usual route. They found several witnesses who had seen the abduction from different locations and her shoe was found at the parking lot where she was taken and they then realised how serious the missing persons case now was because they were like, oh, this isn't a teenage runaway. This is actually someone who's been kidnapped. So over the w- Easter weekend, Paul and Carla, again, videotaped themselves torturing, raping and sodomising Kristen uh, forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and sub, uh, submit to Paul. At his, at his trial, Crown prosecutor uh, Ray uh, Holland said that Paul always intended to kill her because she was never blindfolded and would have been easy, would have, could have easily identified them if she was let go. So they had no intention at all of letting her go. Uh, the following day Paul and Carla murdered Kristen before going to Carla's family's house for, for Easter dinner because they're such cunts. Uh, Carla testified at her trial that Paul strangled Kristen for seven minutes while she watched. Paul said that Carla beat Christian with a rubber mallet because she tried to escape and Kristen was strangled with a noose around her neck which was secured to a hope chest. Carla then went to casually fix her own hair while this happened because she's piece of shit and she thinks about herself too much. Uh, Kristen's nude body was discovered on the 30th of April, 1992 in a ditch in Burlington, about 45 minutes from St. Catharine's, and a short distance from the cemetery where Leslie Mahaffey is buried. She had been washed and her hair was cut off. Although this was thought that her hair was removed as a trophy, Carla testified that it was to just help n- her not be as identifiable. yeah that uh, the fact that they were like intending on doing all this like it was planned as well clearly
1: yeah planned and then they're just continuing doing normal-ish activities seeing family after doing it yeah with like just the straight away like the the meal afterwards just like so sudden like really is fucked up if they just do it that's it done continue to something normal no worrying about it of what they've just done just that's it done worries away enjoy whatever's i way to do
0: well yeah exactly so, um so in addition to the confirmed murders of tammy leslie and kristen uh, suspicions remain about other possible victims or intended victims of Paul and or Carla. So shortly after Tammy's funeral, her parents went out of town and Laurie, which is Carla's other sister, visited her grandparents and left the house completely empty. This was probably just to try and just get away from the house where, you know, uh, Tammy died in, so, which makes a lot of sense. Over the weekend of the 12th of January 1991, according to author Stephen Williams, Paul abducted a girl, took her to the house, and raped her while Carla watched. Afterwards, he dropped her off on a deserted road near Lake Gibson. She is only known as the January Girl, and the only evidence of this was the videotapes where Carla and Paul are talking about it to please each other. And also, this video... And also there was a videotape of the rape actually happening but you couldn't really see her face so you can't really know who it was and that's why she's just referred to as the January girl on the 28th of July 1991 Paul stalks a woman named Sydney Kirshen who was 21 after he saw her while driving home from work on the 9th of August 1991 he resumed stalking her this time she took action stopping at her boyfriend's house just before Bernardo got to her after spotting him, her boyfriend chased after him and took note of his license plate. The couple reported this to the police, and the police visited his house, but didn't go inside or knocked on the or knock on the door. They kind of just parked outside the house, looked at it, then fucked off. Oh, that's so, yeah. On the 30th of November 1991, 14-year-old Terry Anderson vanished about 3 blocks from the parking lot where Christian French would have been uh, was abducted and she never returned. Terry was a grade was a was a ninth grade student at Lakeport Secondary School, which was next door to Christian school, Christian uh, School. Uh, Terry Anderson and Christian disappeared just 2 kilometers away from each other in April 1991. NRP said uh, so the police force said they had no evidence to suggest a link but in May 1992 Terry Anderson's body was found in the river of Port at Port uh, Dalhousie which I'm gonna guess they definitely did that one because it seems way too similar so Carla and Paul Paul have been questioned by police several times in connection with uh, in connection with Scarborough Rapist Tammy's death, his stalking of Sydney Kirshen, uh, which happened before the death of Christ of Kristen French, the officer filed a report, and on the twelfth of May, nineteen ninety-two, a sergeant and constable interviewed Paul briefly. The office the officers decided that he was an unlikely suspect, although he admitted to having qu- been questioned in connection to the Scarborough rapist cases. So, which is a red flag. Uh, He's
1: basically almost hinting it, like, come on, guys.
0: It's like, you know it. You're so doing it. a bad job. Yeah, he's probably laughing at them when he gets out of there as well.
1: Because that's too many times. Yeah. Like, the guilt these people must have, and they must feel so stupid. Like, so, like, they got evidence slapped in their face and that they could have prevented it so long before, but they just, just too many times they interviewed him and said, no, and that's wrong.
0: So three days later, the Green Ribbon Task Force was created to investigate the murders of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French. Meanwhile, the couple applied to have their names changed legally from Bernardo and Homolka to Teal, which uh, was a villain from a 1988 movie called Criminal Law and Teal was the serial killer in the movie. Uh, at the end of may john mattiel a friend of paul reported him as a possible murder suspect now you know you've done something wrong when your friends when your friends got looking at you going yeah you've definitely done something
1: and they had no idea that he might have had this mm,
0: uh <laughs> like his friend was, his, i think his friend was just like looking at his behavior and just went none of this seems right i'm gonna report it just to be safe you know what whoever so you know you know what john well done you did what most people fucking wouldn't have done
1: yeah it's very tough to like report like even a family member or one of your friends to something this horrible because you wouldn't think of having to ever do that you know yeah you'd never do that you'd hate it yourself if you had to like
0: report your
1: boyfriend or something or report anyone you know or report me or i report you which would never happen fyi because we're not effed up so she no. wouldn't report me i would not have to report her for anything but say in some logical case if it did where well, i'd have to sit here and go wow i'm actually gonna have to report lauren for this i could i couldn't even believe it myself if i had to but you know if he thought that there was something wrong he did the right thing and he took a bigger leap
0: well yeah exactly so, in December 1992, the Centre of Forensic Sciences finally began testing DNA samples provided by Paul three years earlier. So, they, not only um, have they not got the results back yet, but it's because they actually never submitted the DNA samples in the first place. Which, yeah, uh, that, 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 that's fucking stupid. Lazy. Uh, Yeah. On the 27th, on the, 12th, the 27th of, of December 1992, Paul beat Carla so badly with a flashlight on her limbs and face, claiming that she had been in an in a automobile accident. The severely bruised Carla returned to work on the 4th of January 1993. Her coworkers called her called her parents, and her parents then tried to convince her to leave Paul. She got taken to the hospital and gave a statement about the abuse, and Paul was arrested but then was later released. Years after the sample had been submitted, Toronto police were informed that Paul Bernardo's DNA matched the Scarborough rapist's DNA and immediately placed him under 24 hours surveillance. So, the Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad investigators in- interviewed Carla on the 9th of February 1993. Despite hearing their suspicions about Paul, uh, Carla uh, uh, focused on his abuse of her other than anything else. Later that night, she told her aunt and uncle that Paul was the Scarborough rapist, that she and Paul were involved in the rape and murder of Mahaffey and French, and that the rapes were recorded on videotape. The police force reopened its investigation of Tammy Homolka's death because of this. Two days later, Carla met with Niagara Falls lawyer George Walker, who sought legal immunity from Crown Prosecutor Hull- uh, Hullion in exchange for her cooperation. She was placed; she was also placed under twenty-four hour surveillance. So, at this point, the case has only just started, and Carla has already kind of agreed to immunity, which uh, is not good.
1: What is immunity exactly?
0: She uh, will be protected, basically, from... So, she could possibly be protected from a life sentence or a death sentence. So, those two sentences would not apply if she cooperated and told them everything.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: So, the couple's name change was approved on the 13th of February 1993. Uh, Carla still goes by the last name Teal, which means that she is definitely not sorry because she's going by a fictional serial killer's last name. I,
1: I, I just think the whole thing of changing names. Do you have? Do they? Have, don't you have to like give a reason, or do they just not ask you and you just?
0: I have no idea, to be honest.
1: Because like, if they were asked why, it'd be very interesting to hear what they had to say of why they wanted to change their last name.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, it must, it, they must have come up with something. So the next day, Walker met with Crown uh, C- Criminal Law Office Director Maurice C- uh, Segal. After Walker told Segal about the videotapes of the rapes, uh, he advised him that due to Carla's involvement in the crimes, full immunity was not a possibility. So she would still face prison time, basically on the 17th of february metro assault sexual assault squad and green ribbon task force detectives arrested paul bernardo on several charges and obtained a search warrant because his link to the murders was weak the warrant was limited so no evidence no evidence which was not expected and documented in the warrant could be removed from the house and all videotapes found by police had to be viewed in the house and jesus fucking christ i had to hate to be those police officers in that situation uh, damage had to be kept to a minimum. Police could not tear down walls looking for videotapes. The search of the house, including updated warrant warrants, lasted 71 days, and the only tape found by police had a brief segment of Carla performing oral sex on a Jane Doe. On the f- Jane Doe? Yeah, so the, the, it, Jane Doe means that they cannot be identified. They don't know who the person is.
1: Oh, is that just like a...
0: Yeah, Jane Dodge means they can yeah Jane Doge means that they can't identify them.
1: Oh, oh okay.
0: On the fifth of May, Walker was informed that the government was offering Carla a plea bargain. The plea bargain was that she would have to accept accept twelve years in prison, which she had one week to accept. If she declined, the government would charge her with two counts of first degree murder one count of second-degree murder and other crimes. Walker accepted the offer, and Carla later agreed to it as well. Uh, On the 14th of May, Carla's plea bargain was finalised, and she began giving statements to police investigators. She told the police that Bernardo uh, boasted that he had raped as many as 30 women, which was twice as many as the police had suspected. And... She called him the happy rapist, which is so eerie.
1: There's nothing happy about that at all.
0: No. Uh, So, Paul was tried for the murders of French and Mahaffey in 1995, and his trial included detailed testimony from Carla and videotapes of the rapes. Paul testified that the deaths were accidental, later claiming that his wife was the actual killer. On the 1st of September 1995, Paul was convicted of a number of offences, including two first-degree murders and two aggravated sexual assaults, and sentenced to life in prison without parole for at least 25 years. He was put down. He was he was labelled as a dangerous offender, making him unlikely to ever be released. In the plea bargain, however, for Carla, which was a 12-year sentence for manslaughter. Carla testified against Bernardo in his murder trial and the plea bargain was criticized by many people which I'm not surprised since uh, Paul's first defense lawyer Ken Murray withheld videotapes for 17 months so he was basically he found uh, Paul told him about the tapes in confidence and he was terrified basically uh, and he just had these videotapes in like with him for ages and he was just he didn't know what to do but they were considered crucial evidence which they were and prosecutors said that they would never have agreed to a plea bargain if they had seen the tapes Uh, murray was later acquitted of obstruction of justice and faced a discipline disciplinary hearing by the law society of upper canada although paul was kept in the segregation unit at kingston penitentiary for his own safety He was attacked and harassed, you know, the usual shit. He was punched in the face by another inmate when he was in the shower in 1996. In June 1999, five five convicts tried to storm his segregation range and a riot squad used gas to kind of get rid of them, which I'm not fucking surprised.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, The Toronto Star reported on the 21st of February 2006 that... Paul admittedly sexually assaulting- he admitted to sexually assaulting at least 10 other women in attacks not previously attributed to him. Most of of these were in 1986, a year before what the police called the Reign of Terror by the Scarborough Rapist. Authorities suspected Bernardo in other crimes, including a string of rapes in New York and also the drowning of Terry Anderson in St. Catharines and in Amherst. But he was never acknowledged for his involvement in any of these. They just kind of, like, suspected that he might have had something to do with them, which I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely done them. Uh, Paul's lawyer, Anthony G. Bryant, reportedly forwarded the information to legal authorities in November 2005. In 2006, uh, Paul gave a prison interview suggesting that he had reformed and would make a good parole candidate get fucked, you fucking weirdo. No, 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 no. Like, no, you wouldn't. He became eligible to petition a jury to al- be allowed to apply for early parole in 2008 under the Faint Hope Clause since he committed multiple murders before 1997. Criminal, which was, like, it's a whole... Thing. i don't know why uh so in, he didn't get parole because obviously he wouldn't in 2015 he became eligible again uh for parole in toronto according to the victim's lawyer tim danson it is unlikely that paul will ever be released from prison because of his dangerous offender status in september 2013 he was moved from kingston penitentiary to Millhaven Institution in Bath, Ontario, where he is reportedly segregated from the other inmates. Get fucked, Paul.
1: Why do they have to move folk from prison? Like, I think he this... kept,
0: I think he just kept on getting attacked. I think that's why. I
1: mean, it's a great thing that these people get rid of deserve in prison, but I guess I could see why they don't want a death happening.
0: Yeah. So. He scored 35 out of 40 on a psychopathy checklist, a psychological assessment tool that is used to uh, to uh, uh, assess the presence of psychopathy in individuals. This is classified as clinical uh, psychopathy. In November 2015, he tried to self-publish a book, which was called A Mad World Order, a violent fictional 631-page e-book. Uh, which apparently went on Amazon. Um, uh, by the fifteenth of November, the book was apparently Amazon's bestseller, but was removed from the website due to public outcry. Of course, because they shouldn't. What? It's actually a law now; they can't actually make money off their crimes.
1: That what? Look, that's so silly that mm. someone thought, "Hey, this serial killer wrote a book." Ah, it on our store! Oh, people can buy it. We'll make money from it. What? Who in the right mind thinks that's okay?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it, there's also um, another serial killer who actually got featured in a cookbook, which I find quite funny. Wait, who is that? Uh, Dorothea Poinsette. She's a what? It
1: mentioned or was she just like wrote a bit and it went in?
0: No, no, like no, like this guy. went This guy uh, found out that she was the one cooking the meals in the prison. So he was like, "Oh, I want to know what her recipes are." And he literally got in contact with her, and they wrote a they wrote a cookbook together. Mm-hmm.
1: I you which, know, nah.
0: which, is re- which is very weird, but. Because it's, like, a cookbook, I would actually want to have, like... Just, like, not buy it, but I'd want to have a look at it and be like, what the fuck is this? But I would never buy it. Like, you get what I mean? Because it's not, like, she's not... She, they're not writing about the crimes or about themselves. Like, I just want to see what the what, what they're cooking.
1: Yeah, like, but even like, that...
0: our curiosity. Like, what do you fucking cook, you psycho?
1: Yeah, but, like, even the fact this boy wrote a book, I still wouldn't read it, knowing that I'm reading something written by someone who's done that stuff yeah you still get the chills
0: so in october 2018 paul had been set to go to trial for possession of a weapon that he that he had made while he was in prison which was a five centimeter long screw that he attached to a pen it's not really very creative now is it paul However, the prosecution dropped the charges due to their determination that uh, there was no reasonable probability for, of conviction because they were like, mate, you're being segregated anyway. Like, you, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, nothing. <laughs> he was eligible for parole again in February 2018. On the 17th of October, he was denied day and full parole by the Parole Board of Canada, obviously. His next parole hearing took place on the 22nd of June 2021 and it only took one hour of deliberation by the judge for his application to be turned down. Like, that judge just made that decision and went, so what are you guys doing? Probably made
1: the decision before he even come in.
0: Yeah, he's probably just made the decision. He's like, I've got an hour to kill. I'm getting paid for this. What you guys do? What did you guys do in your weekend?
1: Yeah, it probably was the hour. And he's like, well, I already know my decision, but I need to prolong it for an hour so at least we had something. Yeah. So, after her
0: 1995 testimony against Paul, uh, Carla Homolka got sent to Kingston's Prison for Women. Her... So she's not, she didn't get life. She got, I'm pretty sure it was about 12 years in prison. She, they, they, they stuck with the plea bargain because they had already made it. It had already been approved. Like it was a whole thing. And obviously they found out later on all the other stuff that she had done, but it had already been, they couldn't change it at that point. I don't know why, but they couldn't. So she didn't get life. Uh, her mother, Dorothy Hamolka started to suffer annual breakdowns between Thanksgiving and Christmas, obviously. She found out that her daughter is responsible for her other daughter's death. Uh, the, colla- the, the collapses were so severe that she was hospitalised, sometimes for months at a time. While at Kingston, Carla began correspondence courses in sociology through nearby Queen's University, uh, which caused media storm, obviously. Carla was required to pay all fees as well as her personal, as well as her personal needs from her fortnightly income of about $69. Although she told author Stephen Williams in a letter, I did get some financial assistance. Homolka later graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology from Queens. That She should not, she probably just did that. But she, you know when they're like, okay, so guys, you gotta write an essay on someone. Do you think she just wrote about herself?
1: Probably.
0: Yeah, might as well. You're like, Right there. Mhm. So she was moved from Kingston in the summer of 1997 to Gillette Institution, which is a medium security prison in Quebec. Uh, in 1999, Toronto Star reporter Michelle Shepard came into possession of copies of her application to transfer to Mason uh, uh, Therese... Uh, Cass Grain, which was run by Elizabeth Fry, by the Elizabeth Fry Society, and published a story noting the halfway house's proximity to local schools. So the place that Carla wanted to move to was close to a lot of local schools, and obviously the Canadian courts were like, no. 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 Hamolka uh, sued the government after her transfer to Montreal halfway house was denied. So she was like, "Why are you not letting me move to this prison? That's right next to a school. Uh, I'm gonna sue you for this." It's like, "Bitch, you literally killed." Idiot. Kids. It's like, "Bitch, you killed kids. What do you want? What do you want them to do?" Eat
1: twat.
0: Dickhead. So in 2001, Carla was transferred to Ste and this. Uh, ste Plains Institution, a maximum security prison in Quebec. Yeah, bitch, get fucked. Uh, in, in a 2008 letter of apology to her family, she continued to blame Paul for her misdeeds, saying, he wanted yep. me to get sleeping pills from work, threatened me and physically and emotionally abused me when I refused. I tried so hard to save her, referring to Tammy.
1: No, I ain't buying that. I knew that was gonna come. That she'd go. It's him. It's him. He made me do it. If you can't physically see that someone is using you, and is making you for worse, you need to and that you need to get out. Something's wrong.
0: So this next part's annoying. During Carla's release hearing, uh, it was said that the thirty-five-year-old did not represent a threat to society. Various hearings over the years have left a mixture of opinions. If she posed any kind of danger, said doctor Hubert uh, Van uh, Geisenhem, who was a forensic psychologist for correctional services in Canada, it lay in the obvious but not like unlikely possibility of her linking up with other sexual with another sexual sadist like Bernardo. She, he said she is very attached to this world of sexual psychopaths. It's not for nothing that she did what she did with paul he told the national post after reviewing her file he scheduled A scheduled newspaper interview with carla was like cut off by her lawyer fact like she was not allowed to have a newspaper interview so while other inmates might apply for parole at first opportunity carla said that she didn't want to do so because she felt like she was going to because uh, she was deemed a risk to reoffend, she denied statutory release two-thirds of the way through her sentence. So when they were like, do you want to apply for parole, she was like, no, don't think I'm ready yet. It's like, okay, okay. So they explained that what had got her to, what, what exempted uh, Carla from her parole restrictions meant to ease an offender's. Intrigation into mainstream society. In 2004, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation noted that the National Parole Board has ruled that Carla Homolka must stay in prison for her full sentence, warning that she remains a risk to commit another violent crime. Don't release her then at all. Yes. I I just don't. Uh, the... The board, uh, so while they noted that she had made some progress towards rehabilitation they expressed concern regarding her relationship with convicted murderer jean paul gerber uh, so her prison they kind it was very weird so like it was kind of cut off down the middle so they had a women's side and then a men's side which was blocked off from yep. each other but if they went outside the outside but they could interact with each other but through a fence So it's through a typical prison fence. Now, so they hurt. So Carla and this guy actually ended up having sex through the fence. Oh, what? I will give points for creativity. But, bitch, why?
1: You wouldn't do that.
0: No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, but I'm going to give points for the fact that they fucking managed to. Without clearly damaging something.
1: Or getting caught, or the people seeing see you. yeah.
0: Or they probably did catch them, just probably went, I can't be asked splitting that one up. You've seen those two. Two just fucking do... lunatic murderers. I'm not splitting that one up. I'm not fucking risking my life that way. That way, hell no. It's I... just stupid. Like... It's so weird. If I had
1: a GF and I couldn't see her, or like, we were, but, you know, she was like... Uh, say, for example, I don't know, I'm on a train... And I'm in the window and she's the other side. I'm not going to end up, like, kissing the window and she kisses the other side, you know what I mean? That's, you know, separation. I, I'm not that desperate to, but clearly they were. That like, the fence wasn't going to stop them.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. So they were like, um, you've, they, they're these they just basically said to her, like, you've clearly just taken this emo- emotional relationship with another inmate, like, a murderer as well. And this just proves to us that because your relationship became sexual very quickly, like you have this attraction to people like this, like you can't be trusted. So they just kept her in prison and wouldn't give her parole mm-hmm. uh, at this point because they're like, no, you got to carry out your sentence. It's like just keep her in prison, you dickhead. But then again, if they kept her in prison, then she could actually get. They they it might not go down too well because she hasn't. She has. Got an end date, like that she has got an end to a prison sentence. Yeah. So, a rumor that Carla intended to settle in Alberta caused an uproar by the community, obviously. Um. So, uh, McLean's. Uh, so they. So someone weighed in on the series of possible scenarios. Uh, that being the most educated speculation has has Carla staying in Quebec where language and cultural differences supposedly muted the media coverage of her case and where she'll be less recognisable. Another rumour suggests she might flee overseas, restarting in a country where her case is unknown, or sneak into the United States using an illegal identity to cross the border and living out her life under a different identity kind of thing. Uh, So, you can't tell, um, Carla was released... Um. so yeah she was released on the 4th of July 2005 and they thought that she they thought that she would still have a risk with, with the public so as a result they had to give her like a list of restrictions that she can't, a list of restrictions basically and they had to keep an extra eye on her so she wasn't she was she had to tell the police her home address, work address, and who if, had, to give her the, had to give the names and all the information of whoever she lives with. Uh, she was required to notify police as soon as any of the above changed. She was likewise required to notify police of any change to her name. If she planned to be away from her home for more than 48 hours, she had to give 72 hours notice. She could not contact Paul, uh, Paul Bernardo, the families of Leslie Mahaffey and Christian French, or of the woman known as Jane Doe, or any violent criminals. She was forbidden to be with people under the age of, uh, forbidden to be with people under the age of sixteen. She was forbidden from consuming drugs other than prescription medication. She was required to continue therapy and counseling, and she was required to provide the police with a DNA sample. Um. Another thing to add, Carla's had two kids. Uh, <coughs> from what I know, um, people do know where she is. People do know what she looks like now. There is a uh, Watching Carla Hamolka Facebook group uh, where people give updates on what she's doing, so people are, are very much aware. Um, oh, wait. Her kids get... Re- ridiculously bullied in school obviously uh because as soon as people found out who her who their parent who her who their mum is it they was not gonna carry like gonna be good for the kids obviously I, which i feel I, so husband, bad i still i feel so bad for those kids
1: the, the husband must have known and willingly went along with it yeah i don't know
0: if, i don't think it's put down as like who the dad is
1: Because I mean, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, it's a weird way of giving an example, but like, I've known for people in the porn industry to be like, oh, my boyfriend or whoever, my girlfriend, just like, it was so hard to get one of them, but then I had to tell them about my career and they had to just like see past that and be like, okay, I see you as who you are. So this husband guy's, probably known and had to go well I have to see past the fact you're a serial killer and just marry you and have kids and that's very very tough and weird to think that he did that and it's
0: okay like it just makes like no logical sense Yeah. yeah it's just weird but yeah, I feel so bad for those kids. Like, really bad for those kids, because like, it's not their fucking fault.
1: No, she must all. have had to have thought, you know, she herself should, would have thought, well, I want kids, but if I have kids, they're going to have to bear the weight of, you know. Yeah. Their mum being a killer and, you know.
0: Yep, I feel so bad for him. It's shit. it's so fucking shit. Uh, but that is uh Carla Hamolka and Paul Bernardo. Paul is still in prison, by the way. He's not getting out, obviously. It's nowhere down that he is very pissed off that Carla is. <laughs> We should get. It. I mean, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I don't. I he should definitely stay in prison. But I get why he'd be pissed off. It's like, mate, you did the same shit. I you did similar shit to what I did. Yet you're you're free and you've got kids and you've got a life. Fuck you. Yeah. Like I get why he'd be annoyed. I get it. But you, they should both be in prison. Never ask. Never uh, offer a plea bargain. Unless you know they are one hundred percent innocent and they would, like, unless you have checked through all the fucking evidence that you could find, like on the planet, like about a case, don't offer a plea bargain. Like, if it's one of those where, like, say, if someone unfortunately was in that situation where they were abused, and they were too scared to escape that life of that person, or just something under very shitty circumstances, and it was obvious and it was very much full evidence that that was the case yes plea bargain maybe but don't do it when like you've got zero evidence yet yeah it's like that bitch is out now like what what oh my what What?
1: And listen from a CBC and is would go right be great.
0: What?
1: I'm listening to this guy's voice because I was just I just searched his name to get images and it's like Paul Bernardo rapping.
0: Yeah, I don't wanna hear that. Like, no, I'm good.
1: That's a video of him. That's with him with his bleached blonde dyed hair and he's smoking and he's just talking to so normal. Oh, that's so weird. Whoa. Because I'm seeing a thing where it's like, this woman, Paul Bernardo fan charged with breaking court order. I don't know what that's about, but... He's bald now, isn't he? Yeah, he's bald.
0: Sucks to be him.
1: And he's got, like, piercings and his ear, but I just look at image of him, like... I, he doesn't you think he looks like the typical serial killer?
0: Um... What do you think? I feel like no, but then... No! His
1: quiffed hair is like a very 90's thing and... The smiles in the photos just...
0: I know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's so eerie. Like, really and fucking eerie.
1: F- and it's eerie because it's, like, that video I just saw is, like, so... Because it's the 90s and there's video VHS tape stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: You can... Whoa, that's it. Whoa. That's a... I've just Googled both their names together. And as Ops up, popped an image... Convicted teen killer Carla Hamoka volunteering at Montreal Elementary School.
0: Yeah, that's been shut down. They found out about that, and they obviously put a stop to it. They, well, they found not. not well, uh, I think the teachers were not hundred and ten percent aware, and then obviously people made them aware, and they were like, "Yeah, you cannot fucking do this." So she doesn't anymore.
1: That's so weird, cause that's literally an image of her, yeah, and then no. I've seen an image of the victims, and it's so sad, cause they're like smiling. That Leslie Mahaffey. She's smiling, they're all smiling in the photos that you've seen of them and obviously their lives have been ended. Uh... Hang on. The internet's so weird. Here's another image of Carly Hamolka, but it's next to this other weird serial killer guy who I just saw from a video on TikTok recently but I can't remember the guy's name. It's the boy who who like did all the animal abuse, and then he ended up like luring this foreign student and killed them and made them cannibalism on and flew to Europe and hit someone in Berlin. I can't remember that boy's name, but the fact he's appeared. But no, just looking at the images, damn. They didn't even kill that many people, but it's such a grim story for the limited. What was it three people that they did?
0: Yeah.
1: So now, I, I'm just, I'm kind of like, weirdly scared at the fact there's a fake, you said there's an actual Facebook page to updating about where she is.
0: Um, I think so. Um, I th- That's why I've heard on other podcasts, I've not gone looking for it, because I can't be fucked with that.
1: I mean, if you look at it now, oh, just Googling her name, yeah, there is images of her in the boat there's one there's there's loads of images of her at that school
0: yeah I would not be happy at all about any of that
1: because I always find it tough because a lot of times you don't get yeah well there's now a news site on YouTube that's uploaded a video they of them reporting on this that of her what yeah that's bad i'm gonna watch this in a bit but i've just watched the start bit and the guy explained that she volunteered at the school was in the school and on a field trip and he's like why and some police guy went or something to ask why they didn't do a background check like dude you've let this to you kill school what
0: yeah yeah i would have liked to, like took my if i had kids i'd take them out of that. Was- school like so fucking so her
1: name has been legally changed now of course right or
0: carla teal ah she kept the last name teal
1: yeah and she's not had like a protection thing on her no uh
0: they keep an eye on her the police do from what i know of they definitely do keep tabs on her but other than that there is not really anything else
1: yeah look there's videos of her that's her outside but like she's looking round as if she knows she's being watched, but like
0: Yeah, I think she knows that people obviously watch all the time.
1: That that must be her two kids. Yeah. One's got a with some brawly, but the fact the guy's like kind of talking to her is like, no, you can't. Like just this person's out in the open talking to
0: him. what? Yeah.
1: Obviously this person's a concerned parent, but like they're videoing her and she's
0: Oh, it's so eerie. It's, it's so good. If anyone else wants to, like, look up that case a lot more, there is loads of podcasts that I would highly recommend, such as the All Killer No Filler podcast. There is Serial Killers by by, by Podcast. This podcast. There is so many... There is actually a new um, documentary on Amazon... on Amazon Prime right now It's about that's, not, that's got everything about it. Um... But
1: yeah, that is basically. Yeah. Yeah. If you want, I mean, the video I was watching now, just search her name in YouTube and there's like this news outlet that reported on it. And I just watched it now. And they, 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 they this, you know what these reporters do, they've literally filmed her and she was filming them again. But she said, I'll get my lawyers on you. But she's like, I don't know who you are, but I if you're really into it, watch this video now because they filmed they're getting away in her car and everything, and the fact she's out in the public doing all this stuff now is very scary. But
0: yeah, and, damn. Also, and also right, this is this next, and also the fact that um, so her mom forgave her for it. Now, oh no, the, the reason her so the reason on why it is put down that her mum forgave her. For it is because she didn't want to lose another daughter. Fuck. Oh, so she she was having so many breakdowns. She apparently she just did not want to lose another daughter, and I feel so bad for her mom because this must have absolutely psychologically fucked everything for
1: her. Yeah, that's. That's rad, but hey, she's out free doing her own thing, got kids. It's very surreal just to be able to watch videos of this person out and about and see videos of them and scary, very scary. Very scary indeed. This 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 has been a very interesting case just because of the fact that she's free and that it was two people doing it and... they just did it in a very weird, and the incest took it to a level of whoa, you know, and having kids now. It's like, compared to, like, the Chucky and the other one, this one's, like, two people. I oh, know. Did it together, but now th- one of them's three, living a, li- like a life that's what a normal person would do, have kids, they go to school, but they had a terrible past, and it's so sickening.
0: I oh, know, I oh, know. But yeah, that is the Ken and Barbie killers. I don't know who we're gonna do. I don't know which one we're gonna do next week. Um, but yeah, uh, but it is. If anyone is watching the Twitch streams, it is disappearance week. Um, so it's it's a bit lighter. It's a bit lighter, but I'd say it gives you it's more eerie and it's very much like mysterious. So if you're yes. interested in that, pop by for those streams which are on Fridays uh and if i'm not going to be there then i'll always let people know because this week because it's tuesday right now it's like it's 15th of march and the twitch streams are normally uh, this week's on the is on the 18th obviously it's friday but i'm getting a tattoo on friday so let's see how this goes
1: yes i'm
0: getting my chest i'm getting my entire chest tattooed so Mm -hmm. this is gonna be fun it's gonna be yeah it should be good it's gonna be painful but i'm ready i had to literally take cash out today for this tattoo and i swear to god that cash machine just want just being so loud it wanted to let people know that i'm withdrawing a fair amount of money so that that cash machine was trying to get me robbed i'm convinced
1: yeah i think it was well you're in manchester and this the sound of big money coming out
0: it wasn't even the money coming out it was literally like you could hear it inside the cash machine, like you know, like how it does on the machine where it just like goes through it all. Yeah, he uh, was making that noise, and I was there like, "Can you not? Can you shut the fuck up?" Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It was being really annoying. I was like, "You are, I hate this thing. I hate this thing so bad." Yeah. But, uh, But, yeah, that is the end of this podcast episode. And we'll see you guys next week for another True Crime Friday. I have been Lauren. And and he has been Matt. And we will see you guys next week. And thank you, Matt, for joining me again.
1: No problemo.
0: And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.
1: Bye.